hipsters, welcome to the Hip Health is Power podcast, and I am your host, Dr. Anna Esperham. I am an MD with triple board certifications in integrative functional medicine, pediatrics, and medical acupuncture with special pain training and clinical hypnosis and aromatherapy certifications. We have a team of healthcare professionals here that provide real and evidence-based information to support women on their health and wellness path, and our goal is to empower you to heal and recover from health issues, whether it be chronic pain, illness, or just life stressors, to perform your best, feel your healthiest, to become full of vitality and stamina, to be who you love and do what you love. And I'm also legally obligated to tell you my disclaimer. The Hip Health is Power podcast and website offers information regarding health, wellness, medicine, supplements, therapies, nutrition, fitness, and well-being for educational purposes only. I am a physician, but not your physician, so you should not rely on this information to substitute or replace any professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or healthcare plan. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Health is Power podcast and we have our special guest Randy Evans, the master's level integrative and functional medicine dietitian with a lot of sports performance, athletic nutrition experience working with NFL players and high performing athletes throughout the country and um, he's probably one of what few in the country Randy, like one of eight master's level dietitians. It is a unique master's level um, degree that not many people have. And so we get to have uh, Randy's special expertise on this episode today. And we're going to talk about something super important, uh, which is essential nutrients, um, nutrients that we otherwise cannot make on our own and that we have to get from nutrition and diet. And that's why it's so important. So Randy, do you want to introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background on what we're going to talk about today? Sure. Um, The goal is to really just identify, uh, when it comes to meal planning, to identify specific things in meals um, that our bodies need to work right. So when we think of you know, meal planning, and, and if you've seen our plate visual, really just divides up the plate into non-starchy veggies, starchy veggies, and protein. And then we usually add fat and fruit to that. Fruit is dessert, but fat, fat is added in for cooking or as fatty foods like avocados um, or oils. So, but essentially we just take that visual and say, okay, where, where are we getting in that visual? Where are we getting for a specific person essential amino acids and essential fatty acids? And so the two things our bodies can't make are those essentials. So we have essential amino acids, which are proteins, and we have essential fatty acids, which are, are fat. Um, and those are things, uh, there's specific amino acids and specific fatty acids our bodies cannot make, um, and yet they're required for proper metabolism for the body to work right. Um, so that's why it's important to identify those in meals. So, so a lot of times, you know, we'll get questions as practitioners was, people will say, you know, uh, what's the best diet? Is it vegan, vegetarian, you know, keto, carnivore? Um, veg- uh, it could be, you know, any number of the new kind of fad diets. And, and so anytime we are trying to identify a healthy version of a diet, those are the questions we ask. Where, where are the essential nutrients in there? Um, because all of those diets can essentially be good or bad. We don't want a bunch of man-made food. So if somebody's eating vegan, vegetarian, standard American diet, and they're eating a whole bunch of packaged food, we'd say, well, those are all bad. 
Um, so, it, so it, our goal is really then identify uh, the the target, what's what somebody's wanting to do, or what makes them feel good, or what works right for their body, and then in that say, you know, what do these essentials look like, and even measure them in labs to make sure somebody's getting the amount they need, and it's showing up in labs. So tell us a little bit about what are some of the most common deficiencies that we see in the typical diet, whether it be American or even worldwide. Well, we, it's, it's interesting. It depends on the patient group. So in a lot of young ladies, uh, athletic or not, a lot of young ladies aren't eating meat. So we consider that maybe vegan, vegetarian, and that's not necessarily bad. Uh, but when you look at labs for some people, the way they do that isn't necessarily healthy. So you would find a lot of young females who will have low protein intake, which would make them low in essential amino acids. So that's very common. Um, people with digestive issues um, or on acid blockers can have low uh, protein or amino acid levels just because they can't digest and absorb properly the proteins they are eating. So, so when you look at somebody's diet, you're really just saying, well, how much are they eating the right things, number one, and then how much of that are they eating? And then in total, how much are they then utilizing or, or how much are they assimilating in the body via digestion and absorption? So there's a, somebody may actually be eating you know, a good amount of protein, they're just not able to, to assimilate it. So, so that's a, a probably the key for protein. And when it comes to fat, uh, we've been low fat in the United States for nearly 40 years. Uh, it's probably the worst thing uh, government guidelines ever did to, to Americans was to make them low fat because they've really pumped us full of carbs when they did that. So, so we're trying to get healthy fats back in the diet. So number one, we look at somebody's diet, whatever kind and say, you know, are there healthy fats in there? And those would be fats that are less processed, not full of chemicals, uh, fats that aren't as damaged by heat or, or not as the heat damaged. Um, and then when it comes to the essentials, those are omega-3 and omega-6s. So we hear all the time of, you know, about omega-3 and omega-6. But I think there's some, some interesting questions that pop up when it comes to that. People don't always understand you know, what those are. So since we're talking about healthy fats, um, we actually just did, by the way, a healthy fats guide um, at the www.healthispower.com if you want to sign up for the email newsletter. Um, but also in talking about healthy fat specifically for women, when you mentioned both omega-3s and omega-6, and especially that ratio, um, we know most often we're not getting enough omega-3s in our diet just because of if we're even eating out or if we are buying, you know, packaged frozen foods, um, or even if we're using, you know, the common, you know, canola oil or the cooking oils um, while we're uh, cooking our food we're really raising our omega-6 ratio compared to our omega-3. Um, but with that being said, um, what do you recommend in terms of supplementation? Well, the idea would be, you know, always to get it via diet when you can. And then it, sometimes there's digestive issues or maybe people are intolerant of certain foods that they really need to be eating. And so there can be reasons to use supplements. So we're really looking for clean versions of omega-3s and, and again, tolerating those sometimes can be an issue for people. So I, I would say you're mostly looking for a, a, a brand of omega-3s in a supplement form. Um, Krill is very popular, but you're trying to find a clean version. Um, and, and specific forms can be more absorbable, but specific forms can also be 
um, based on how you tolerate them. So you really are fishing for fishing, as in fish oil, uh, trying to find a, uh, either a plant, which can be algae-based DHA, or uh, you can find the fish oil, and then flax oil. So EPA is fish oil, you'll see it called EPA, that's the abbreviation, uh, and then flax, uh, alpha linoleic acid, um, is, uh, is, is typically known as flax oil, but that's the kind of uh, plant-based oil we eat. Um, so you can use any of those three. It's most likely people are gonna show up as in being low in the, in the EPA, or the fish oil, oil or the DHA or that algae-based DHA. So you'll find those two most commonly low. And those are the final conversions of the omega-3s. If you ever hear anybody talk about brain health, that's usually DHA, very important for neurofunction. But the, the interesting thing about omega-3s via, via the supplement or via the foods we eat, omega-3s are very, very anti-inflammatory. And, and most of us are pretty inflamed via the environment or toxins or lifestyle habits that aren't so good. Um, we have a lot of inflammation, a lot of pressure on the body to fight inflammation. And these healthy fats are a primary way to do that. One of the most powerful anti-inflammatory fats is the omega-3s. So if you want to think of the omegas, the omega-3 and omega-6s are your essentials. Well, omega-3s are the more anti-inflammatory, which makes them very important to put out that inflammation fire we have. And then on the other side, the pro side for inflammation is the omega-6s. And those are a little more dangerous because we get so many of those. That's if, if you know of anybody that's eating a lot of packaged food, fried food, um, uh, bad oils dominate our food system. And they're not necessarily bad because they come from certain kinds of plants like corn or soy, safflower, sunflower, canola, uh, peanut. There can be healthy versions in theory of all of those oils, but most of them are industrially processed. So even if they come from the plant healthy, they're actually damaged in processing by heat damage. Uh, they usually add chemicals to cover the flavor of the rancid oil. So they become kind of chemical concoctions. So we're actually using damaged fats to cook with. So we heat them and cook them again once, once they've been processed. We use them to cook with, so they get, we get double damaged fat. And those are very inflammatory because damaged fat easily oxidized in the human body because we have oxygen floating around in our bodies, um, easily oxidized. So, so those are, can be very inflammatory. One of the primary sources of inflammation in the human body is bad fat. Healthy fats, on the other hand, can actually help control uh, that. So, so when we eat better, we actually just take in less of those inflammatory fats. So omega-6s are actually known as that group because that's corn, soy, safflower, sunflower. A lot of those have a lot of omega-6s. And so we think, well, we could do less with those kind of foods. Um, but it, it's interesting to think omega-6s are still essential. We think, well, we get too much and they're all damaged. So how about we get those from real whole food, get it from nuts and seeds, get healthier versions of many of those oils you like. Uh, and we say, well, those can be necessary, but we want balance. So when, when Dr. Anna mentioned the, the ratio, we're always comparing the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. And it's usually really upside down. The average American, the six to three ratio, I'll flip it around, the six is really big. It can be 20 to 30 to one of the omega-3. And that's actually in nature, probably closer to one to one in foods, uh, especially animal products, healthy animal products. Um, so, so we try to actually look at that because that helps control that uh, inf inflammation in the body, having the, having the right balance there. And omega-3 and omega-6 is a little more important just because they're so uh, ample in our diet. Omega-3 is not so much. So we try to boost up the things and get more where we need it and then try not to overdo the omega-6s. Uh, and yet they are important because we need that inflammation sometimes from the omega-6 pathway 
to heal a wound, um, if you twist your ankle or if you have a, a cut, omega-6 pathway creates chemicals, essentially chemical messengers and chemicals that help heal that wound. Um, and also, if you have a bacterial infection and your body makes a fever, it makes it via that omega-6. So, so that's why we don't want to cut all the omega-6s out, and that's why they're essential. So we're always looking at balance when it comes to the fats, the omega-3 and omega-6 is saying, hey, where are you getting those? How much are you getting? And then we'll look at that in labs sometimes to confirm it. And, and then with the, omega, with the amino acids, really just saying, you know, are we digesting absorption, absorbing the amino acids we are eating? Um, because it's so important. Those are really all of our biological function is based on those amino acids. Even our genetic code is all amino acids, our muscles. Um, so very important for a number of reasons. And that's why we spend so much time concentrating on those when people say, hey, is my diet good or bad or should I eat more or less? We're always looking at those two things. So um, when you're talking about, you know, the omega-6 fats and we really just want to balance that out with the omega-3s, make sure we're not getting too much because it can be pro-inflammatory, but it's all just about a balance because balance is generally healthier than, you know, favoring one over the other. Can we also talk about, since we're talking to women specifically, um, about one of the anti-inflammatory fats known as GLA? in the omega-6 pathway. Um, I have found um, the GLA that comes from evening primrose oil more so than the borage oil. For some reason, the evening primrose oil GLA um, has some anti-inflammatory effects for women, specifically um, for skin health and also for um, kind of menstrual health as well. I remember when I was a kid, um, when I first started the menstrual cycle, um, I had severe menstrual periods that would keep me up all night. And uh, I had a friend's mom who uh, was into herbal medicine and she gave me uh, evening primrose oil. I think she gave, I had to take like 1300 milligrams twice a day, every single day. Um, and that actually prevented any menstrual pain whatsoever. I never even had to take any ibuprofen or naproxen after that, as long as I stuck with um, the GLA. Um, so can you speak to that in terms of the anti-inflammatory effects of GLA and, and for women who might not have enzymes that can convert to, um, the anti-inflammatory omegas? Sure. Well, that's, what's interesting about this conversation is we just said the omega-3s are anti-inflammatory and the omega-6 are more pro-inflammatory. Then we subdivide that off and say, well, the, the second and third steps in the omega-6 pathway are actually anti-inflammatory. So it's interesting how nature always balances inflammation with anti-inflammation and via the right kinds of foods. Like you, if you eat healthy foods, they'll have a balanced ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. If you go have some McDonald's French fries, there you get no balance there. It's all going to be damaged omega-6s, uh, really toxic. So, so we're saying that if we get uh, a balance there via the food we eat, then, then not only do you get omega-6s in a right ratio with omega-3s, you're actually going to have a way to use those first two steps, you know, second or third step, I think are both DGLA and, and GLA are both very anti-inflammatory. That's, that means that the things we make from those two steps are actually anti-inflammatory. The prostaglandins, the leukotrienes uh, are very anti-inflammatory. And then there's potential then to convert those on down into the more inflammatory um, omega-6s if the body chooses to. So what's interesting is it depends on what's going on in somebody's life as to how that's working. And it can be very individual. Uh, even, even as Anna said, the genetic conversions, uh, the delta enzymes that do conversions of those omega-6 steps 
can impact somebody's ability to convert. So, so you're really looking at each individual and is saying is that working? You can all you can almost sometimes look at people's skin uh, and tell if there's a, an issue with omega sixes. Um, so, it's, so it is something for sure uh, to keep an eye out for. And it is a very common deficiency and can be so helpful in those hormones and hormone conversions uh, for people that are having problems. Yeah. And when we're talking about um, fats and healthy fats, it's, you know, when you start incorporating more of these healthy fats into your diet, you, you just start noticing your skin is so much better. You just start to have this glow. I mean, your, your gut feels better. Um, you just think better. You can memorize things faster. Um, you can perform better. It's every single cell in our bodies every single cell is made up of fat. And so we do have to nourish um, what our cells are made of. And that comes from our nutrition. Absolutely. And, and it, it, so this all fits together with meal planning and that we're looking at that, that plate image and saying, hey, what's the protein in that? And then are there any signs or symptoms related to deficiency of protein? And same thing with the fat, what's the healthy fat in there? And you can actually list that off. Like if you make a long list of all the fats that you eat every day, you can do analysis on that and see how much omega-3, how much omega-6, how much uh, saturated fat. You can actually see that. You can put a number to that with a diet analysis uh, program, and, and most of them do it. Um, so you can actually see that. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're absorbing all of that, but it does at least let you know that it's going in. And then, you know, if you needed labs or you think there's a deficiency, sometimes there's signs and symptoms you can look for, but uh, you can at least say, hey, I am getting this. And, and if you don't have any obvious GI symptoms, that usually means GI, the GI tract working pretty well. But I would say to wrap that into a package, when we look at the, the image of a plate and say, hey, here's what we eat every day, when, we, when we're thinking of the essentials, the essential amino acids and essential fatty acids, when we look at those on the plate, we know we need them, our bodies don't work right without them, and they're both long-term energy. So it's very interesting that nature provides that that we don't have to eat all the time and we can actually go pretty long periods of time without eating if we're eating the right things. But it's just interesting how those are our long-term energy sources. So if somebody's not getting enough protein or they're not digesting absorbing protein correctly, that can cause issues there. And same thing with the fats. If somebody's not eating the right things or they're not getting enough, they may be hungry all the time might be a sign. So, so it's interesting that long-term energy source just allows us to put spaces between meals, which usually helps with hormones, you know, talking about the hormones with the GLA. Um, but it, it really all just makes the body work better when we get the, the right amounts and kinds of those nutrients. But mostly we're focused here on those essentials just because we find so many people either because they can't absorb them or they're just not eating the right things. It's very common for people to be missing those. So Randy does labs um, for many of his clients and he really breaks down um, what essential fats or what essential amino acids, essential vitamins and minerals that someone is missing or can't absorb or needs to add into their diet or even supplementation. And so based on your experience, Randy, whether it be athletes or women who have chronic disease, um, what in your experience have you seen in terms of protein deficiencies or amino acids um, that you've noticed any patterns? Well, you, you typically will find in the athletic world, uh, the biggest problem is they just can't, they're not either not eating enough or they're just not assimilating enough what they are eating. Uh, there's some 
because they do need more protein. Anytime the body's stressed more, it drives up the demand for protein because protein runs metabolism. So, so it's, it's known that that happens. So a lot of athletes will eat more protein, but if they're not digesting, absorbing, or maybe they've got GI issues where they're flushing things through, um, it's not unusual for that. Uh, in patient groups like young women, a lot of times, you know, we see a, a lot of young girl athletes, especially girl athletes, uh, who decide about, you know, eighth grade freshman year that meat is gross, which you know, is very common for people to say, well, I don't want to, you know, eat animals. I don't want to kill animals to eat them. And so that I, I'm not judging anyone there. I'm just saying that happens, but that's not adequately, uh, we're not trading those nutrients off very well. In other words, you know, a young lady might say, well, I'm not eating chicken breast, so I'll have a spoon of peanut butter. You know, that's not a trade. So there's a lot of protein foods that don't carry those essential amino acids. Uh, so we have to be careful. Anytime there's a limitation or a digestive issue, we have to be more careful to make sure we're getting the essentials in there. So, so specific diets can be low in essential amino acids. So athletes, you know, there's been a big push in the last few years for a lot of NFL players to become vegan or vegetarian. And, and you can do that, but you have to really work at it and you have to run labs because of the amount of those nutrients they need, they're usually low. When it comes to the fatty acids, you know, just almost everybody we measure is low in those anti-inflammatory omega-3s. And, you know, a good chunk of our brain made of omega-3s, very important in the neural system, just important across the board, the omegas. And we just find people woefully low in those. Um, and, I, and I don't know if it's always because we're not eating enough of the right things, you know, if somebody's eating salmon, you know, four or five times a week, you'd think they'd have great levels of, of omega-3s, but sometimes they don't. Um, so I think, I think there's issues there we may not even understand. Um, we poorly convert them when we eat, you know, nuts and seeds, or if we eat a bunch of flax and chia, we poorly convert those downstream in that omega-3 pathway. So some people genetically are better than others at converting. So that can be an issue. But when you look at labs, um, uh, the amino acids can be more sporadic. You can find just random things missing. Um, but when it comes to the fatty acids, we find most Americans we test low in omega-3s, some in omega-6s, and some across the board low fat, which is just terrifying. Uh, we should, as humans, made of fat, that should be a real concern to be low fat. Uh, we just want to be low in bad fats, not, not the healthy ones. So, so those are the things we most commonly find is the, is the across the board low fatters because, you know, our government said, hey, low fat. Meanwhile, they pumped us full of corn, soy, and damaged uh, processed oils. Uh, again, those aren't inherently bad. It's what we do to them. So we eat a lot of damaged fat. So while they t made us low fat and took away all of our healthy fat foods like eggs, uh, we loaded people up on those oils. And, and so we're trading that backwards. Uh, really just looking for quality fat is probably the key. Yeah, I mean, I, my family used to be afraid of butter. We never had butter growing up. And, and there are good sources. If you find good sources of butter, or at least grass-fed butter, even though sometimes they say it's grass-fed and it's really not, um, just because of the mislabeling. Um, talking about amino acids, uh, the other thing about amino, the essential amino acids is that um, amino acids is pretty much makes up you know, quite a bit of our tissue. I mean, um, our proteins specifically, our enzymes, um, our neurotransmitters, our hormones, uh, you name it. And so just kind of giving you an example of an amino acid is um, say someone has depression and they're not responding to antidepressants. Well, most typically antidepressants um, help 
um, block the reuptake of serotonin, which is your feel-good neurotransmitter. But what makes serotonin is tryptophan or 5-hydroxytryptophan, which is an amino acid that we can get from our diet, um, especially uh, meat. And so if we are running low on it, um, we can't make serotonin very well and the antidepressant doesn't work as well. So when they've done animal studies on this is when they're supplementing with the amino acid tryptophan or 5-hydroxytryptophan, the depression improves with that antidepressant because you're actually able to make serotonin. On the other hand, as a pain physician, um, we prescribe a lot of pain medicines that also act like antidepressants, but it acts on serotonin and norepinephrine. And so those two neurotransmitters in the spinal cord and the brain block pain. But if you're uh, utilizing a lot of these um, serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, what happens is you actually end up depleting a lot of your other neurotransmitters like dopamine, and then you can't sleep as well. You might get restless leg syndrome. Um, you uh, have poor motivation. You might have poor focus. And so what happens is you might need supplementation with N-acetyltyrosine, which ends up making that neurotransmitter dopamine in the end. So it's all just this balance. Um, again, as Randy was stating, is just trying to make sure all these elements essential nutrients are balanced in the body. Absolutely. Uh, a lady that I followed closely for years, I don't think she is anymore, but uh, Kate Shanahan was a, a MD nutritionist for the Lakers for years. Um, I think she's, she may still be doing that. It's also private practice now, but um, really great lady to listen to. But um, she actually was using for, you know, an NBA basketball team, only food sources of protein. So it can be done, you know, if there's enough control over the diet and, and the amounts are followed and labs are run, it can be done. So it's just interesting to think that even somebody who has high demands for those and has a lot of stress on the body, can, we can still do it. It's just you, you have to really closely watch your diet. And, it, and it, it really isn't that much different than that standard whole foods view of whole foods view of the diet that we talk about. Um, but I would, I would add in the amino acid conversation, this is where this looks so simple, but becomes so complex when those, when you think about all those amino acid conversions to hormones and neurotransmitters, uh, functions in the body, you know, the genetic code, everything requires B vitamins, uh, when it comes to converting, they're the master converters in our body, especially B6, but it's amazing how many people are low in B vitamins. Uh, when I, when I think back to that female population we're talking about, who may not be eating animal products, that's, that's a primary uh, source for most people of those, uh, B vitamins, but uh, B6 uh, deficiency, uh, you can have all kinds of amino acids in play. Uh, you won't be able to use them. So it's that's where it becomes more complex when there are issues with neurotransmitters or they got the converters in the body, those B vitamins to make those amino acids work. So it can be both. It can be, you know, not having enough uh, amino acids or not being able to use the ones you do have. Yeah. And I mean, I think we can get into a whole nother episode on just the essential vitamins, nutrients, minerals that help with all these conversions of making your neurotransmitters, your hormones, the Delta 5 desaturase, converting your omegas to anti-inflammatory fats to be used in the body. I mean, you name it. And so that's why nutrition is really important and is one of the foundations that we really need to focus for 
anyone, um, whether you be an athlete, whether you have chronic illness, or you're just wanting to maintain a healthy life. Um, and so is there anything else um, that we want to talk about before we get off this episode? No, I think that's the, that's the kind of the, the overview we give people in meal planning is to talk about those, just to introduce that concept. But it, it, again, probably the, the biggest feature of that view of the diet, using that meal plan, looking at, looking at saying, what are you eating and, and how much? And, and saying, is there essentials involved in those, in those foods? Are we getting essential amino acids, essential fatty acids? But really the key to that is, is if we do get those, number one, we need them, but number two, we're not hungry all the time. So it's really that combination most people need. If somebody tells me that they eat a meal and they're hungry an hour later, they're missing something. So it's, it's interesting how simple uh, it can really make you happy to replete these things. And when it comes to food, you know, again, we just have that hippie view of nutrition, mostly real whole food, food you can hold in your hand, give it a name, and trying to then find those essential nutrients in those foods and saying, hey, how much of that are we getting? Um, and then identifying anything else that might be going on, like any GI symptoms or, you know, sleep problems. So you really start, you start once you, once you have that first layer, what are you putting in your mouth? Then you can move on to say, you know, are you digesting, absorbing, and, and if everything's fine there, that's when you might do labs and say, let's just see if you're getting enough. Are we really getting this stuff we need uh, into the body? So, so, but I think that's a good, that's a good place to stop. Um, because that's what we do on our first consults with patients is really introduce those concepts only to be reinforced later and to define them further. Well, you are a wealth of knowledge, Randy. I'm hoping we can have you back on to talk about um, kind of balanced eating. I think that might be our next episode. And uh, we will see you guys for the podcast next week.